This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Cass from Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're glad you guys could join us today on the number one diesel truck podcast on iTunes. We want to encourage you guys, if you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook, just search The Diesel Podcast. You'll find us there. We release a lot of previews and ask you guys a lot of questions as far as what kind of topics that you want us to cover or if we're going to have a guest on, what kind of questions you want us to ask them on the podcast. So make sure you follow us and hit us up on there with any questions, suggestions, ideas, any problems that you guys are having with your trucks and like to have one of our guests answer those today. We're going to be talking with Trevor from alligator performance, and he was in a situation that is very familiar, very common out there. And that's for those of us that want to buy a fortune Cummins. And so we're looking for a nice clean truck, something that, uh, you know, we can build into something that we want or something we could just drive, you know, right away. And he ran into some issues with it and some things that he didn't know before he bought it. And we're going to talk to him about how he fixed it and what he was able to do to get it to the power level that he wants. So we know you guys are going to enjoy this this episode. Before we get to it, we want to encourage you guys to go to alligatorperformance.com. And if you use Podcast 5 at checkout, you get 5% off your order and a free t-shirt. There are some exclusions that apply. But if you have any questions, just ask the guys at Alligator. If you call them up, chat in, send an email. They're more than happy to help you with that. All right, guys, let's get to the podcast song with Trevor about his fortune and how he overcame the issues with his truck to build it into what it is now. Trevor, it's great to have you on the Diesel Podcast today. We've been chatting for a little bit here, and I had seen your truck you know, a while ago, and, and fortune comments, and I think especially modified ones are, are uh, more common out there you know, in the marketplace, but you've done a lot with the truck, and I know our listeners are going to love hearing about the purchase of it, the build process, things you went through. So we're really excited to have you on today. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad to have a chance to kind of share a little history on it. I think there's a lot of people that are kind of wondering about the whole scenario and how everything went down with the build, but excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, as far as diesel performance or being a diesel truck owner, when did you start or what was your first diesel truck? Uh, the first diesel truck, I'd say it was back around high school days. I had an old like 99.73 Power Stroke. That's kind of what started everything with it. I mean, I had it, it was basically stock, just did little things here and there, lift wheels and tires. And I had done a simple injector upgrade, went ahead and did a little bit bigger turbo as time went on. But that was the main one. And I've had a couple different Power Strokes over the years. What made you switch teams and go to the... <laughs> the Dodge Cummins. <laughs> the Cummins, man, that's a golden question there. Uh, mainly, it's there's a lot to it. I mean, in reality, it's the common rail injection system I found to be a perfect match for what I was trying to do with the truck overall. It's, as people come to find out, I mean, it takes a lot more resources to get a 7.3 typically up into the higher horsepower range. Um, getting into that common rail platform on the Cummins, I mean... It's kind of funny because I had a little bit of a built VP truck back in the day around 500 horse and uh, I thought that thing was fast back in the day. Ended up getting into a trade deal with a buddy of mine for a common rail and a stock common rail with a programmer, man. That thing held its own against the VP truck all day long. <laughs> but ease of working on them and all that good stuff, you know, it's pretty much what sold me on them because I'm constantly tinkering around under the hood and stuff like that. and just trying to do my upgrades here and there and it's just a great platform to work on really it can't be beat we had done an episode 
late last year with a guy who owns a, a dealership and we were talking about what to look for when buying a used diesel truck what should you avoid and one of the questions I asked him was what's the most popular one that you sell and he's like it's a fortune Cummins and he was talking about just the body style the interiors the leap forward they took from the third to fortune and then the amount of upgrades and things you can do to that truck it's hard for him to keep them on the lot and I remember seeing your truck a whole article written about it but I wanted to ask you specifically you know at that point in time you're thinking about a new truck you want a new one why did you look towards a fortune and and what was your process in just buying this particular truck well so there's a quite a story behind that as well um, basically what happened is when I got into the common rail stuff I had picked up an 06 Dodge uh, truck was bone stock when I got it, had a little bit of a lift on it, higher miles around 220,000. And then working here, you know, we were doing a lot of R&D through Deviant Race Parts, trying out new turbo setups and building the second gen swaps. So that was actually a perfect candidate to get started with all that. Um, and then we basically from there, I just kept throwing more fuel, throwing bigger turbos at it. Finally got to a point, we got that truck up around, I think it was right around 850 wheel horsepower. And that's basically where I kind of got the golden decision there of you know do I want to go and put a whole built motor in this truck or do I really want to get into a fourth gen was something I had been looking at for a while now and maybe invest the money there and something I plan on keeping around for a long time mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what sold me on the decision there I mean it's just I was getting to the point where I didn't really want to put any more money into that truck so had a buyer lined up for the white truck and then I uh, was looking around town and Really couldn't find any decent fortunes around the area that were in good shape. Um, I had spent about a month and a half going through different lots, private party, and they were all in pretty rough shape around here at the time, to be honest with you. So that's what kind of got me to expand the horizons, started looking around on social media, and then I came across the 2011 I have now, and it just had a lot of the good upgrades. I mean, I, I like to do this stuff myself for the most part. I was kind of stoked that I already had the wheels and tires, little turbo upgrade to you know, kind of get you by before you dump more money into another project, but didn't quite go that way. Now, when I think like looking for a truck, we, we've all done it. We've all, you know, we want to try something different or go to a different platform or, or just something like that. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like, I've been there as well where I can't find what I'm looking for around me. And it might be a couple states over. It could be on one of the coasts. And how hard was it or what were some things that you looked for when you're looking at trucks probably all over the country? Um, ultimately, what it really comes down to me, I mean, I, I like a really clean truck. I'm pretty picky about the exterior, obviously the basics, you know, no rust. What I really look for is a truck that someone's cared for and actually taken really good care of over the time. So it just kind of goes across the board. I mean, when you look at the quality of parts people put into stuff, it's pretty apparent, you know, a big thing with that is like supporting modifications. If they have a little bit of a turbo upgrade or it's tuned up, you want to make sure it's got, you know, transmission upgrades, maybe some studs. That kind of always tells me the little things like that is that, you know, they did their research, they did it right. They weren't afraid to spend the money and they weren't just, you know, trying to blow the tires off it and actually cared to keep the thing around for a while. Yeah, I think with these fortunes having you know, been out there a little bit, it's like there's going to be something. So usually some there's some upgrades done to it. And when from that article, I remember reading like the, the truck that you found, there were some things that have already been upgraded or done. What was the kind of the lists of, of 
how the truck was changed, you know, is right when you bought it or right before when you took possession of it. So when I bought the truck, it was out of New Jersey, out of a small town over there. Um, it had it had quite a significant list of upgrades on it. They're all quality name parts, which is what I like to see. But it had been, it was a 2011, had about 120,000 miles on it. Um, Performance-wise, it had a full second-gen swap. It was running a Fleece 475 turbo kit. It already had dual pumps on it. The transmission, they had actually just done a 48 swap in it shortly before I picked it up. Um, that's kind of the main part of it. it. Had the ARP studs, all that good stuff there. Um, that's pretty much the gist of it. They had thrown some bigger nozzles on it. Just little things here and there. It was, I want to say it was probably right around that 800 wheel horse range with what it was at. I know from, then, I, I was going to ask you, what, what was the difference between like eight, 850 on your 5.9 versus 8850 as far as driving feel between the two different engines? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I truthfully believe the 6.7 with that added displacement does a big favor for those guys who want to run a little larger on the single turbo side of things. Mm -hmm. That's always been my go-to. I like the simpleness. I like the cleanliness. I mean, it, with the truck now, I'm running a 480 as a single, and it's responsive enough. I I didn't have to worry about it. I planned on possibly dropping down a little bit on the manifold charger and maybe going to a compound setup, depending on how everything worked out. But in the end there, I mean, with that 6.7, I mean, it, it had the 475 on it, and I would almost compare it with the 180 horse nozzles. It spooled damn near about the same as that uh, the 06 I had with a 467 running the same 180 horsepower nozzles. So you're running a significantly larger turbo, got a lot more mass you're trying to turn there, and it, the truck just never skipped a beat. It's, I really like the 467s on the 5.9. It's kind of my go-to for most guys if they're not trying to tow super heavy and they're not trying to you know, do a whole lot to the truck at the time being. But between the two, I mean, they're, they're very comparable, obviously, engine-wise, but that extra displacement just really does help spool a little bit bigger charger, get a little more torque out of it, a lot more benefits really overall. And then you got that 48RE swap, which depending how it's set up, you can really help that charger get going. <laughs> Exactly. That That's probably a very beneficial thing as well, which we ended up at, I mentioned it had the 48 swap before, which that was a whole basket of issues with the truck to begin with. I mean, basically what happened is we had pulled the motor out, got that broken down, and then the truck was in storage. I went and parked it at a buddy's place for a while to get the motor back together. And then what I found afterwards, looking at the truck out at the property, there's a little bit of burn marks on the converter, which kind of led me to, you know, question the condition of that transmission internals as well. So evidently we ended up, I just decided to go over to a fully built Suncoast comp unit and just wanted to get one to drop in and go and not have to spend any more time on the build at the moment. But uh, it's been phenomenal, man. I got their newer, it's, the, um, it's their 2800 PCS setup that we ran in that. And it's been great. I mean, I actually drove it. I got a base file on that thing back when we got the truck together about a year, year and a half ago. And I drove on that for about a year with no problem around town back and forth. And I mean, I'm still daily driving the truck now, but it's been a phenomenal setup. I mean, I do believe the 68s have their place for the guys trying to tow and all that stuff there. But it's just, you know, if you want something that's really going to hold the power, I think that's kind of where you lean towards that 48 setup. And it's been proven. I mean, we've seen, I've seen a little over 1,100 horse out of that setup now on the truck with that, that 48 hasn't skipped a beat. It still daily drives phenomenally. It's been great. As far as the engine, I wanted to kind of focus on that. Well, really the truck, and the listeners are going to know by the title of this podcast, this wasn't 
a truck that you bought was perfect, ready to go, and it's it's like a you know a happy, uh, like a fairy tale, you know, with with how everything went. What what happened with the truck that that spurred all these upgrades and all these things that you did to it? So in essence, I had the truck shipped over here sight on scene. I was taking a risk of that, and I accepted it at the time. Um, but it really, I mean, when it got over here, it was in great shape. All the upgrades that were said to be on it were there. Everything was done pretty well for the most part. It was kind of an odd issue because when it first got here, it was towards the end of summertime and it was running just fine. Never really noticed any issue. I was busy playing with the trans controller the first couple weeks trying to get that dialed in. But uh, as soon as the temperature started to drop, what I noticed when it was cold out, it'd get a pretty bad lope at idle, a little bit of excess smoke. I mean, with the bigger injectors, grid heater was deleted, temps were dropping. It's a very, very common scenario to see, but I could just tell it, was, it wasn't quite where it should be. I mean, it felt a little worse than what you should expect there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I played around with it a little bit, troubleshooting things and whatnot, and then uh, evidently what it came down to is when it got real cold out, it got quite a bit worse. And what I couldn't figure out at first is if you plugged it in with a block heater at night, it was totally fine. It's as long as coolant temp was over like 100 degrees. I had no problem whatsoever. Truck ran perfect, no loss of power. Um, but it was just those cold starts, man. It got to a point where it was just, there's actually a video on my Instagram you can see where it's basically just smoking out the entire neighborhood until it gets up to temp. Um, so we did a little bit there, here and there on that. We, uh, it had nozzles put on the factory injectors. So they were 180 horse nozzles. I believe they were from industrial at the time and the injectors probably had around 120,000 miles. Anytime I go to like a bigger injector size, I don't really like to just throw nozzles on the injector. So that was kind of one of my questions. I'm like, how do I know the injector wasn't a little bit out or anything like that, you know? Maybe one of them sticking open or causing a problem there. So I went ahead and just bit the bullet and bought a new set of injectors to throw in there like I had planned on originally, hoping that would kind of remedy the issue. And did seem to get a little bit better, but it was still winter time and I still kind of had the same problem after all. So in essence, what we ended up doing is we brought it back to the shop, tore it down a little bit, did a compression test on it, and two of the cylinders were taking a while to build full compression, which kind of told us there was a lack thereof. So we ended up stripping the motor down, going through it, and then we noticed that all six pistons were sitting down behind the, or down underneath the deck there, and that kind of gave us the indication that the rods looked to be a little short. Um, so upon teardown, took all six, took the rods, pistons out of the motor, all that, and exactly what it was, I set all six rods in a stack and they were all kinked just ever so slightly to one side. So basically that's what it came down to there is there were six bent rods in the motor. What's crazy to me is it ran totally fine. I mean, I probably could have kept driving the thing, but the way I am, I'm pretty anal about those issues. I mean, I knew there was something not right and wasn't trying to window a block or anything of that nature. So pretty glad I caught it in time, but that's evidently how the whole thing came apart. Well, it's, I'm sure, you know, if, if it wouldn't have had those symptoms or you wouldn't have been, you know, really focused on why is it doing this, probably would have windowed a block and then it adds to the price of, of having to fix it. <laughs> Absolutely. And then to add insult to injury there, I mean, I sent everything off to the machine shop. I found the rods, so I just assumed that's the only issue, you know? Yeah. And then uh, what's funny is I was looking at getting into a ported head setup and doing some upgrades there to help with the airflow and everything and decided that I was going to, you know, hold off on that, just get it back together, get it running. Well, I got a phone call from the machine shop and they found two cracks next to the valves on the head. 
So that ended up getting replaced, which I did a stage one race head from industrial, which has worked out phenomenally with the setup. Um, but that's pretty much it there. I mean, six bent rods, cracked head. It's, you know, the nuts and bolts to the issue there. Um, but that's pretty much what it was. And then I was looking at my options. I'm like, well, I could throw a stock motor back in it. And I was like, well, it's kind of cost effective because I do plan on building the truck. I'm already here. And that's pretty much what led me. Started doing a little bit of research on where I wanted to go with the build and what power levels I was looking to support and what would do the job. And it's pretty much where I ended up. You know, as far as when you know you discover these problems you know the upgrades that you want to do were there i'm sure there were a lot of challenges along the way you know i'm sure you know in the future you probably wanted to upgrade it but you probably want to join the truck for a little bit and drive it around and and then you know do the upgrades as as you wanted to i think a lot of truck owners want to do that especially if you buy a modified vehicle but when you're forced into that situation right then and there with six bent rods and know cracks in the head are there any tips or you know suggestions that you would give people out there if they find themselves in the same situation before they buy any parts before they call anyone things they could do to i guess get that get the truck where they want but then also do it you know in a cost-effective way that meets their goals yeah absolutely and i mean kind of touching base on what we just went over there it's i really think a lot of it's being ahead of the curve it's not ignoring those weird noises and things you come across here and there when you're driving the truck things that don't seem quite right um, in my case probably saved me a core block <laughs> but uh for all the other guys out there i mean that's just the hard part i mean my kind of my biggest thing it comes down to in reality if you're not super experienced you're not super confident or knowledgeable with what you're looking to purchase it's never a bad idea to have a second set of eyes or even bringing it to a, you know, a reputable shop just to actually go through it and kind of re reassure your purchase there. Um, especially on, you know, you get into these trucks, they're a pretty hefty investment and it, it gets pretty costly, especially when you go through and do it a second time in the same year. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's kind of the main thing there. Just keep a close eye on everything when you're looking over them. I mean, same principles apply to the motor I mean leaks things of that nature excessive blow by those are big things obviously to be looking for but it's just the hard part man I mean there's a lot of things that aren't obvious and they don't jump right out at you when you have a little issue going on and those things progress over time so really in my opinion when it comes to purchasing a vehicle it's very very important to get a detailed breakdown of how the truck was maintained any repairs that have been done um, obviously in this situation when you're getting into a modified application always make sure you're going to look at those you know what upgrades are recommended to support those mods does it have a slightly beefed up transmission to hold the power is it going to need head studs you're going to be replacing that anytime soon if not like a lot of factors go into it i mean it's definitely going to depend on the application per case but really just kind of got to cover all your bases and it's it's hard buying a modified truck man i mean that's a lot of these people including myself are typically i want the one owner never molested pickup something that i know everything that's done to it and mm -hmm. it's pretty much what it came down to is i rolled the dice on this one and i'm not i mean it wasn't that big of a sour deal in the end i mean i wanted to get it there it just got me to do it a lot quicker than i anticipated but i mean in the end it, it all worked out it's what i wanted it to be um just crazy i mean it's the issue it's like i said when they bought it in the summertime i don't even know that the person i got it from was really aware that was the issue i mean i i still believe i could have been driving that thing for probably another six months at least the way it was going there were no signs of a real problem besides that lack of compression causing the excess smoke and a little bit of a lope there you know yeah that's that's something that 
I'm sure it's a question you get a, a lot. I mean, you probably on a day-to-day basis, you, you'll you know people will call in or, or email you and say, "Hey, I just got this truck. It's got this on it. It's doing this or that." And we get it, you know, in our our social media or, or emails we get with the podcast is someone will say, "Hey, I got an LBZ or six seven Cummins or this five nine. It's it's doing this. I just got the truck. What could it be?" And it's so it's so hard to to diagnose it I'd say on the phone or via email but the th- thing is is you're you're talking about trucks every day you have one you've been through different models and and different upgrades there's things that you're going to look for questions you're going to ask someone who contacts you where you could probably maybe you know depending on the situation save them an engine build they might have to upgrade something or fix something or or, you know, there's just so much experience that, that you have talking to so many people that, that you can help them through that. And I think that expertise is what's so important. You know, it's like, hey, my truck's making this weird noise, it's doing something different at these temperatures. There's this vibration at this speed. I don't know what it is. Let me call someone, you know, who, who is experienced with this, pick their brain a little bit. And it's not just about throwing parts at it. It's like, how do I fix it? And how do I fix it right? Exactly, and that, that's what a lot of that comes down to. I mean, there, it's its like you said, I mean, we, we don't all have crystal balls sitting here at our desk to look at when we got issues coming up, but it's its nice being in this, you know, this background for so long. I mean, it does really make it easy because you start pairing up symptoms you hear with solutions you found, and it's like, okay, well, this, you know, it sounds like a pressure relief valve in the rail. It could be, you know, sticking injector, you got whatever the case may be. But definitely over the years, that's something that's been beneficial for me too. I mean, I, I honestly have never really dipped into the Duramax world personally for personal trucks. Um, I've always been a couple power strokes and I've just really been stuck on that 5967 common rail platform myself. But that is a nice thing. I mean, I, I've gotten to learn that truck like the back of my hand going into it so many times, but it definitely, I mean, if anyone has any questions in regard to that, we're always happy to help out. I mean, it's kind of our goal just to, we focus primarily on how do we get you taken care of, how are we gonna get you what you actually need, and not, you know, just trying to get people into a bunch of parts to throw on the truck, hoping that it's gonna fix their issue. It's a case of, we've seen this work in the past, it might work for you, but you might need to take it somewhere with some diagnostics where you can actually narrow down the problem. But we do get that pretty often, for sure. I mean, a lot of these guys calling in, they just picked up a new truck, stoked about it, and wanna know what they can do and what they need to do, essentially. and. I'd say we've got a pretty good grip on that over the years. That's what I wanted to ask you next, because we all love parts because what they can do for our trucks and how much power we can make with them and the fun we can have. (laughs) And you've got a very extensive list. I want to go through, have you tell our listeners, you know, you've you've decided to build the motor, do these upgrades. What all did you do to the engine, the air, the fuel? Yeah, so overall, um, started with the bottom end. Obviously, that was my primary focus and how I wanted to get that built up. Um, what I did stick with, it was kind of hard for me because I, I always like to do kind of the most I can and I kind of tend to go overboard. <laughs> but when it came down to it, doing research, I was like, you know, it's, it's still a daily driver. I mean, I drive this truck pretty much every day if I'm not working out and changing other stuff on it, you know. But when it came to the build, I stuck with a set of coated cast pistons from industrial that are fly cut to accept the bigger cam. Um, we did a 14 millimeter main studs in the bottom end with their Gorilla Girdle to harness everything down, help the crank from trying to move around. We did a set of billet, they were just like standard Carrillo connecting rods we did on that. Um, 
that's just about it I can think of for the bottom end, obviously. But and then the head, it's their stage one race head from industrial injection. Um, they got their 110 pound springs, did uh, billet push rods, billet valve bridges. Um, basically that one and then the heads are actually milled so I had a ZZ Fab side draft put on it um, help the airflow like I said I mean my biggest thing on that was how can I make this as efficient as possible I mean there's a lot of skepticals about you don't really need a head until you're this kind of horsepower stock head can handle it my drive with this truck was how do I get it as good as I can with the knowledge that I have and that was pretty much what it came down to, you know, I was like, I'm not trying to do this thing twice. I want to just bite the bullet now, get it over with. But that kind of helped guide the choices I made and the parts I put in it. And I mean, I certainly could have held off on half the stuff I put into the top end, obviously, and done it at a later date. But I, man, I had that truck for trying to remember. I want to say I was driving it around for about a few weeks before I actually started tearing it down. And then we towed it out to big thanks to Chris Roska up here. Let me store my junk over at his house for about a year, <laughs> but uh, towed it out there and I'd go grab parts off of it here and there. But it was, it was a pretty bitter situation for the time being, man. I just really wanted to get the thing back together ultimately, but I just decided to go through and do it all the first time and not have to worry. Um, as far as the motor goes, that's just about it for the bottom top end. I mean, we did do the ARP 625 head studs. Wanted to make sure those were going to be happy. Yeah, it's it's one of those things too. I think when you have the motor out there, there's so many things that you can upgrade easily or easier, I should say, than when the motor's in the truck. Like one of my friends was doing a engine build and like he had everything picked out for rods and head and fuel and everything and i'm like what about doing a fleece coolant bypass kit and he's like oh i didn't even think of that yeah, but it's absolutely. like when you're doing that it's so much easier to to get that you know set up then versus you know i know guys do do them in the engines and we've had some some shop owners tell us that but it's just like the those little things that you can do right then and there and you don't have to worry about it later no, that's entirely, I should have mentioned that too as well. I do have a fleece coolant bypass on the truck um, and that's definitely something when you get under there and look at one. I mean, I've got a 48 back there, so it looks a little different obviously, but you look up at that and that's not really an animal you want to really get to and it's in the truck. It is a <laughs> lot easier to get that out of the way when it's on a stand or in your shop or wherever it may be, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something. Uh, he's like, man, thanks for telling me because it, it wouldn't be fun <laughs> to do it. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks later when everything's exactly. in there. With the uh, with the power level, where's it sitting right uh, now? So we put it on our. We got a Mustang dyno in the back here at Deviant Race Parts. We ran it. I did have a little bit of tuning issues in the beginning, trying to get sorted out with the trans swap. The truck was a little upset about it at first. Um, I did switch over. It got into calibrated addiction tuning. The truck's been flawless since. It runs great. Um, got it on the dyno about two weeks ago, or I'm sorry, it was about a month and a half ago actually before I started taking it apart again. But we saw right about, I want to say it was 1117 horse and about 2100 torque. Um, and that was, it was actually dropping rail pressure. So it, when I got the motor back, I was kind of in a hurry to get the thing running again. So there's a few things I kind of put off for a little bit later. So I was running two stock uh, CP3 pumps on it, and then I just had the old fast titanium 150 that was on it, and I believe that's where I was running out of fuel. So basically, it, I mean, I saw right around, it was right around like 32 to 3,500 RPMs that it produced that torque number. So what I'm thinking, it's, I got two 12 mil pumps I'm actually putting in it right now, and then I switched over to the new signature series from fast, got the 290 pump from them. 
So once I get it all back together, I mean, realistically, with what I saw at the RPM it was at, I mean, I, I'm thinking it should be pretty capable of getting a little bit over that 1,200 horsepower mark where it's at. But for right now, that's been my best number is 1117 and a touch over 2100. A lot of a lot of our listeners, they'll they'll message or or comment and be like, "This is you know the power level I want to be at." But how can I daily drive that? Is it can I tow with it? Can I daily drive with it? Can I like so when you're driving it around? Do you how are you able to do that? Is it is it something where it just took some time with the tuning to kind of, kind of dial in the daily driving aspect of it? Or do you change your driving style or a little bit? I'd above? probably naturally adapt the driving style, I'm sure, with any you know bigger setup that you get into. You kind of learn what it likes and what it doesn't and kind of when to get into the throttle and whatnot. Um, at that power level, I mean, I was thoroughly impressed because I decided to try out, I went to the T6 comp manifold from Steed Speed, and then with that, I'm now running, it's a 480-96 with a 115 housing as a single charger right now. And that, man, it's responsive. I mean, I, I have no problem driving the thing around town. It's surprisingly, I mean, the fuel that I have in it, injector-wise, should be good for around 1,500 wheel horse. And, I mean, it's clean around the street. I mean, it definitely won't be if you don't want it to, but it's if you are cautious when you're driving the truck around. I mean, it's... I would almost compare the drivability to that, you know, 475 with the 180s, and that was running a much smaller T4 housing with a much smaller turbine, T4 manifold, all that good stuff. But there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, it's, you can't, I don't think you really could just throw a 480 with a T6 manifold on a stock truck. I mean, that cam plays a huge factor in opening up those airflows. That Steed Speed manifold does a tremendous job helping spool the turbo. Um, just really a lot of, you know, getting the right parts in there that work together is actually a really great thing to mention as well on here is, you know, there's a lot of guys that want to grow into stuff and that's, I actually like to encourage that, you know, it's, so I'm shopping for a turbo, I don't really have the money to go this much bigger on the fuel and whatnot just yet. So what I try to do is, you know, you just kind of figure out what goal they're actually wanting to be and then what they're using the truck for is ultimately important. I mean, you don't want to get a guy a huge single turbo and tell him, oh, just put some bigger injectors in it when you can afford it and then have them go out hauling 15, 20,000 pounds, you know, it's not going to be a happy setup by any means. But a lot of these guys that I talk to are typically, you know, your typical weekend warriors. They tow light loads here and there, drive the truck to work and back. And I ask them, like, you know, it's a, it might be a little bit laggy or off the pedal. You're going to need to get used to that. But, I mean, it's going to be drivable. It's totally doable. It's, it's really the hard part. It's not a black and white answer. It really comes down to your perception of what a streetable fun setup is you know and that's there's those compound guys swear by them i got nothing against compounds it's just for me i mean i just never felt the need i've thought about going to a much bigger compound adding to it but honestly right now it's just with as much time and money as i put into the truck i kind of just want to enjoy it for a little bit before i expect to see inside that bottom end anytime soon you know it's it's something so cool about this industry and how how far it's come with all the technology and the the experience that happens at racetracks and I, I think with just the hardware and the software and all the stuff that's out there is there's going to be guys that are in positions like you were where they get a truck and it's just there's going there's catastrophic failure that's just brewing to happen and there's upgrades and there's expertise and experience out there where you can build it and get it to where you want but then there's also probably the majority of people where you want to ease into it. You, you want to get a little bit you know, more power, better efficiency, but you want to build towards that goal and to being able to turn to someone 
and say, hey, this is my ultimate goal. I'm not ready to go all in yet, but what should I do first, second, third, fourth as I build towards, you know, this power level or be track time or, or something like that that they want to do? Yeah, and that's I'd agree completely. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to in the end. I mean, it's what do you want to see out of it? I mean, ultimately, it's obviously going to be what your budget looks like and where you want to be with the truck, you know, with what you're doing. But that's really, I mean, it's it's very easy to grow into them. It's like I said, I mean, the biggest thing listeners can do in general is just do your research when you're looking into it, man. I mean, see what people are doing. I mean, you'll find the people, oh, I totally should have done this while I was in there. And it's it's just not fun to tear stuff apart to do something you've already visited once, you know. But now it's that's what's nice with the industry. There's so many options out there for those guys that want to go anything from stock to 1500 plus horse. I mean, you can you can really just take advantage of the custom tuning that's out there now is a huge plus when it comes to running these setups. Um, you can pretty much get anything you want out of like the Easy Link EFI Live platform is kind of always my go-to personally on the common rail newer stuff. But it's, I mean, the possibilities are truthfully endless. I mean, it's, I could have went a lot bigger on the fuel in the air and everything I did, but this, this was kind of my end all. I mean, I, what it was is I basically built the motor wanting to expect upwards of maybe 1500 horsepower if I ever wanted to really get down and push the truck and see what it could do once in a while. But my ideal goal kind of in the end was to be, I never really had a personal goal. It was more so just with the setup I was looking at and the reason I chose the parts seemed like it would be a great setup for right around that 1200 horsepower mark and you know it's good old zz fab manifold does have the good old nitrous spray bar there if you ever want to just throw a little bit of injectables at it or <laughs> maybe throw another turbo but that's kind of what it was i mean i did have a 106 millimeter turbo i was going to throw in with the 76 is what i originally started with before i jumped up to the 80 but man the drivability of that 480 like i said i mean I, I just can't beat it it's i love the setup i i love driving the truck there's nothing i really can't do we'll definitely mention i don't tow heavy with the truck or anything like that honestly don't think it'd be a huge concern with as responsive as it is i mean i build boost quick it's got full power in the 22 2500 rpm range it starts to go like it's it's a totally happy setup how it is but you're gonna have it out at uh, hunting for horsepower this year I intend to. So, uh, yeah, that's actually, what's kind of funny is uh, last year I brought it out there. I had just kind of finished buttoning everything up. So I was going to throw it on the dyno just to see, but we were pretty busy at the event, obviously. So I ended up just kind of letting it sit next to the booth. Um, this year, though, I've got, it's torn apart right now. I'm just doing some minor upgrades to it. Um, but like I said, addressing that fuel system and everything there but i should have it back together as soon as the weather clears up if it does <laughs> but yeah I, I intend to bring it down there um i would like to get into you know maybe do a little bit of the dirt drags definitely going to throw it up on the dyno and then not 100 percent sold on the sled pulling part yet just because i haven't put a whole lot of time and effort into the axles and the rest of the drivetrain there and not too sure i want to be towing it home that day but you know we'll see I, I might get a hair there to go ahead and hook up a sled and see what she can do well, if you like a clean truck, though, and you go sled pulling, you're going to sign yourself up for some detailing work after you're done. <laughs> <laughs> I got a guy for that, thankfully. <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely true. That is one thing I think about is uh, trying to keep it as you know nice and clean and presentable. But at the end of the day, it's a truck, man. I built it to have fun, so really got to take advantage of it where you can. With the experience that you have in, in the process and, and you know talking to people every day at Alligator Performance, I want to make sure that our listeners, if they're in this situation, they've just got a truck or they want to do the upgrades in time, how can they get a hold of you, you know, calling in or, you know, social media, email, things like that to reach out? 
Uh, plenty of different options to get a hold of us here. Our phones are tied up pretty often, but you'll see, I mean, we're, we're very active on social media personally. I mean, if you find me on Facebook, shoot me a message. That's probably one of my main go-tos just because we can kind of multitask when we are tied up on those longer phone calls. But I mean, my email address, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much any outlet there. I mean, I'm fairly responsive and try to keep an eye as much as I can or always call our 1-800 number, you know, always more than happy to help out and see what we can do to kind of get your build situated and get you where you need to be. I mean, I, uh, I, I think it's really cool to see what you've done with this truck and the, the obstacles that you overcame and then the power level and I mean, driving around with the, the charger that you got and the fuel and enjoying it is is something that I think a lot of six, seven common owners, they want, you know, that's, that's, it's kind of the best of both worlds. You can go out there, go to an event like hunting for horsepower, throw it on a dyno, have some fun with it, but then you can drive it every day and, and have fun with it. So it was, uh, it was really cool to hear, you know, the background on the truck and what you've done with it. And uh, hopefully this year I can make it out of hunting for horsepower, check it out in person and I love clean trucks too. And I, I know from the pictures and the listeners are going to see this on, on social media and YouTube and things like that. It's a very clean truck. And, and, uh, we appreciate your time today and, and sharing, you know, the experience and the expertise that you have doing, you know, exactly what you do with your truck, but then all the other people that you help and, and, uh, you know, the things you see, whether it's a power stroke, Cummins, Duramax, you know, any power level somebody wants. Yeah, exactly. No, man, like I said, it's been a blast. I always love to talk about the builds. It's what we do for a living here all day long, so never gets old, I'd say. But, yeah, it's been a it's been a real experience overall, but it would be really cool if you can make it up. I mean, the event is getting bigger every, every year. Um, I don't know. You guys go out to UCC pretty often? or This, I haven't been out there, um, but this year, it's, it's one of my main goals is to to see it. I know hunting for horsepower, it... it you're right. I've I've heard tons of people just how big it's getting, how big it is, and all the trucks that are there and the vendors, and it's just a great time. And I think it's a great time of year too. It's like it, it's where it's timed. It's it's just it, it's so accessible, you know. And it's um, you know something on on this side of the country that. You know, we can drive to it's it's not that far of a drive you know whether you're in the rocky mountain region or mm. pacific northwest or wherever it might be so it's it's something i i definitely want to do absolutely no i think you'd be very happy coming up here man especially that time of year i mean early september it's right when the you know summer starts to cool down a little bit so you still get those nice sunny days and a little bit cooled off in the nighttime but it's definitely a beautiful area if you haven't been up here before it's definitely worth checking out but definitely hope to see you come up here it'll be awesome yeah, man, that, that would be fantastic. And you know, like I said, we appreciate your time and sharing the build with us and our listeners. Absolutely, buddy. Like I said, I appreciate the opportunity on this. Uh, if any listeners are here, let me know. I mean, happy to send you any information, any questions you have. I'm happy to answer them. Like I said, find me on social media or feel free to hit me up here at the shop at Alligator Performance. But uh, it's been great talking to you. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to alligatorperformance.com. If you're looking for any of the products we talked about on the podcast or you have questions about your build or you want to talk to Trevor and ask him about how he overcame some things with his truck and how he was able to make it right and perform the way he wants. If you go to checkout at Alligator, use Podcast 5 for 5% off your order and a free t-shirt. If you have any questions, just ask the guys there. They're more than happy to, to help you, chat with you about your truck and your build. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.